So really excited today as we started on uh, Genesis. We we had a guy in church here for a couple of years called uh, Craig Jenkins. He's uh, he's back in Australia now, but he was a, a big wave surfer. And asked him, you know, his faith story. And um, part of it was this, that um, when a close relative died, he started uh, surfing, started um, chasing uh, the world, going around the world, chasing big waves. And he got to a place called Jeffrey's Bay in South Africa. And he got up early one morning and he went and he saw this. He could see this. Uh, dolphins starting way out, out the back and surfing the waves all the way in and then coming around, um, I think it was a rip out again and then doing it repeatedly. And Craig uh, said to himself, there's got to be a God. Wasn't from a Christian family, wasn't from a church family, but when he saw that, he, he said to himself, that is not an accident. There's got to be a God. And as we look today at the, at the start of the Bible, in the start of the world, uh, let's acknowledge that, that it hasn't been by accident. And so let's pray. Lord, as we start today, open up your word that you would speak to us. We thank you for your wonderful creation. We will give you all thanks and honor. Speak to us today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the um, one of Charlene's annoying habits, she's got many wonderful ones. One of <laughs> one of her annoying ones, uh, when she gets books often, she'll not only look at the front, she'll look at the back. Find out how it ends. <laughs> uh, which is not a bad habit, particularly with the Bible. Because the Bible is one book. You know, there's 66 uh, books in it, but it is one book, and it tells, they call it a meta-narrative. There's a big picture, one big picture it's talking about. And not only is the beginning important, ends are important. And the start of the Bible is Genesis, and the end of the Bible is Revelation. We're going to look at Genesis 1 and 2, a little bit of Genesis 3 in this series. Um, but something about Genesis 1 and 2 is that it's perfect. It's perfect. There's no sin and there's no snake in Genesis 1 and 2. God makes it and it's fantastic and it's perfect. And we don't see that again until the end part of the book. Revelation 21 and 22. And Satan has been dealt with and sin has been dealt with. But in between the start and the end, Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelation 21 and 22, there's sin and there's a snake and there's big war going on between God and the devil. And so the start is important and the end is important. Um, Genesis 1 to 11 is the story of, of humankind, the creation of the humankind. Now, Genesis 12 on, it focuses on one particular family, Abraham and his descendants, and how that uh, affects the world. And God's creation of a community of faith, Israel, and they have their ups and downs, and this is on your bit of paper. 
but it's God's creation of that community of faith that's going to be a light to the world. And then there's Jesus. And from Jesus, there's another creation of community of faith, the church. And then we see how it ends in Revelation. And you know Jesus is actually interweaved in all of that because he was at creation at the, at the beginning. He was part of the creation. And he's at the end. He's going to bring it all to completion at the end. So as we look at the Bible, it's a one big picture. What a beautiful picture it is. Now, this is important. Genesis is important because it's not the only story that was at, that was around at the time of its writing. Uh, the, the Jews, they never saw Genesis by itself. They, they talked about Moses. When they talked about Moses, they talked about the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Uh, they called it Moses. And as we look at Moses today, uh, want to not only look at Moses, look at the whole Bible. Now, there were other stories. One of the most famous ones is a Babylonian story called Enuma Elish. And their story was quite similar, but a little bit different. They, they also had, uh, they also had a Tower of Babel, for instance. They also had a flood. They also had the, the creation of the world. But, uh, very different. <coughs> the, the Bible's story is, is different in some, some very important ways. And I just want to talk about three before we introduce John. Firstly, one way that the Bible story is different from other creation stories is that God is perfect. God is perfect. Some of these other stories that were around, some of the other stories of creation, the God, the, and actually often gods, they're not perfect. They're changeable. And, and often they're naughty. They lie, they kill, they steal, and they fornicate. But our God is perfect, and he's one. Three persons, but one God. Our God is perfect in Genesis, in the Bible. And secondly, God is prior. God is there, right at the beginning. There's nothing before God. God is prior. And thirdly, God is powerful. God creates everything. Uh, he's powerful. He's separate, actually, from his creation. A lot of the other stories are intertwined. Um, intertwined with creation, but not our God of the Bible. The emphasis is on the might and the power of God. God decides and it happens. The nitty-gritty of how that happens is not... Not huge in the Bible. It's quite vague, actually. But we're left with one thing, that God makes it happen. God makes it happen. Now, some people might say, well, I believe in the literal Bible. Hmm. I just want to suggest that maybe we're actually selective in how literally we take the Bible. All of us. I'll give you some examples. Leviticus 19, 
19 says this, you are not to wear clothes that are made of different types of material, cotton and nylon, for instance. And I want to suggest, even if you're calling yourself a literalist in terms of the Bible, you are not right now sitting in your decks in church in direct contravention of Leviticus 19.19. We all wear clothes that are made of different uh, materials. Another way, we're we're not literalists. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 5.23, I think, he said this, 5.30, sorry. If your hand, if your arm causes you to sin, cut it off. Is it just me or like... uh, have you ever taken more than your fair share of biscuits out of the biscuit tin? Now, if you were a literalist, you would be more than one of us with one arm or, or no arms. But we're, we're often selective in how literal. So what does Jesus mean by that? He, what he means is this. Deal aggressively with sin. Deal aggressively with sin. You know, Jesus, that's a deliberate exaggeration, but it's true. It is true. The Bible is true, and he's saying a true thing. We need to deal aggressively with sin. So, we're about to start Genesis. We take the Bible seriously in this church. So we're about to start Genesis. Genesis is true. It's God's word. It speaks of God and his creation and our part in that. And without further ado, please welcome the amazing J.D. So if you stick this one on, J.D. Uh, We'll start with uh, a few questions, Um, just so you get to know who J.D. is a little bit. He'll be happy to talk with people afterwards. He'll be happy. If you invite him, he might even come along to your growth group during the week. Um, so, John, you're uh, from Gisborne. You're a local, is that true? Tell us about that. Um, yeah, I was born in Hastings quite a few years ago. Moved here when I was about six. Um, then went to Tepito School, Gisborne Intermediate and Lytton High School. And, yeah, I guess I'm a local. Yeah. Uh, you are a school teacher working at Gisborne teaching... Science. Science. That's right, yeah. Uh, Big interest of yours is the stars. Tell us about that. Yeah, um, my interest in astronomy began probably when I was about 10 or 11 years old. My mother and I were walking back from the swimming swimming pool. There used to be a place called McRae Baths, which were down near the marina. Does anyone remember? Yep. So we were walking along Rootney Road one night, and and Mum looked up and she said, Look, John, there's the pot, and the pot's in the constellation of Orion. And she pointed it out, and when she pointed it out, just something went bang um, in the back of my mind, and I was just absolutely um, fascinated with astronomy ever since. Mm-hmm. And uh, every time I buy myself a, like a $10,000 telescope or whatever, mum always <laughs> goes, why the heck did I point out the pot to him? So. <laughs> um, in the wonderful movie Natural Libra, starring, you like it? starring Jack Black, uh, one famous line of Jack Black, and he gets this wrestling partner, the Mexican guy, and the, the, he says this, uh, not Jack Black, the Mexican guy says, I don't believe in God, I only believe in science. Are those two things, God and science, mutually exclusive? 
Um, I don't believe so. Basically, science comes from the Greek word meaning knowledge, and um, God is omniscient, omniscience, omni-knowing, all-knowing. Mm. So, um, to, to me, for, for a while, I've, I've heard Christians say, oh, you know, you, you turn off your heart, head and listen to your heart, but for me, I think God can withstand any academic question you ask him. Um, I mean, I don't think there's anything that he can't handle academically. So if you have deep, deep questions and all that, ask him. I mean, he would like, love to hear those questions. And uh, so, no, I don't think the two are separate. Cool. Well, I'll let you loose. I'll pray and let you go for it. Let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you for JD. I pray as he speaks, you'd um, speak through him to uh, speak to our hearts and minds and heads, all of us, because all of us, uh, all parts of us belong to you if we follow you. So we thank you for this man. Thank you for what he's about to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Carl. Um, did any pipe surfers turn up? I asked a couple of pipe locals to come and support me. No one's here from the... No? Okay, good on you. I'll drop it on them later. Okay, so what I've got here is... Um, I've got a PowerPoint up here. So basically be speaking to that, and, and unfortunately I forgot to bring a pointer um, where I can advance the slides, so I'll just be do doing something like this to Josh to advance the slides. So um, thanks, Josh. So basically the overview for today is that um, I'll be speaking around Genesis 1 to 5. Um, Carl knows that I've got an astronomy and, and Christian background, and because of that, um, he asked if I'd share my thoughts about, um, you know, about creation, science, um, and so on. So this is probably one of the most challenging messages I've ever given from the pulpit. Uh, and I might lose a few friends, but, you know, we all go to heaven, hopefully. So um, now just a bit about my astronomy background. Um, I've been hooked on astronomy since I was 10, like um, I said to Carl. Here's one of my telescopes out at Paratahi. I, I live out there for a dark sky. Unfortunately, there's a thing called light pollution. Have people have security lights angled at a really bad angle instead of down like that. I hope none of you have your security lights angled like that where the light is going up into the sky. Street lights and everything, they ruin the night sky for us. So they're taking away the splendor of God's heaven you know, for us to enjoy. So I moved out to Paratahi to get a dark sky. And um, I've been the president of the Gisborne Astronomical Society for many years, and I'm the immediate past president of the Rural Astronomical Society of New Zealand. Uh, finished that in May of last last May, and I'm a contributing editor to Australian Sky and Telescope magazine. Um, I've been a part of a team working with Ohio State University, and we've been discovering planets going around other stars. So, so that's quite quite neat to be part of that, and it's. Quite need to actually see your name. Oh, this is where I needed a pointer. But here's my high flash pointer here, highly technical pointer. But um, you can see up here, there's um, Drummond there. <laughs> that was that was published in the journal Science, which is quite a prestigious journal. So that this one here is when we discovered a planet that actually, well, an Earth-like planet that went around a two-star system, which is unheard of. And... Um, Astronomers basically had to rethink the formations of solar system based on that discovery. So that was that was quite cool. Um, and my astronomy is I'm into astrophotography, taking photos through my telescopes. 
And those photos have been in books and magazines around the world. In fact, even on a, on a stamp series. So it was quite neat to have your stamps literally going around the world on, a, on an envelope. Okay. And here's just a couple of, couple of examples of the photos that I take. And um, like I say, yeah, they've been published overseas. Um, another one, total lunar eclipse, like we had a lunar eclipse just recently, last week. Okay. Galaxies and, um, and so on. Okay. And in 2015, I completed a Master's of Science in Astronomy. Yeah. And that took six years part-time, so I was teaching as well as doing that study um, and I must admit, it just wore me thin. So after teaching, during the day, I'd come home, do about two or three hours study, and we're studying astronomy here. I mean, it's pretty heavy stuff. I mean, it's the stuff of Einstein and all that. So it was pretty demanding, and most weekends I'd also be um, doing study and so on. So I was pretty exhausted by the end of it, but loved every moment of it. Now, that's my astronomy background. My Christian background is that... Um, yep. I was, became a Christian when I was about 14. Um, I must admit, after my wife Elizabeth passed away 20-something years ago, I, I floundered a little bit. Um, I was the youth leader of the Assembly of God Church, and the Assembly of God Church for many years had the owned the Christian bookshop in town here for about six years. Um, I've read the Bible from cover to cover for many years, uh, many times, I should say, and in 1998, I completed a master's of, um, uh, sorry, a bachelor of ministries in adult education, and that's where I met Carl and Shah at the Bible College of New Zealand. Okay, so my dilemma over the years has been how to actually marry. Well, what do I believe as far as Genesis one and Christians telling me the world was created in six days? Especially as a young Christian, you're told that and the scientific view that I used to read in my astronomy books. So how to actually marry those two together. So, um, yeah, thanks. So it's been a long and interesting journey, I must admit. And today I'm going to share my personal view regarding the formation, what I believe to be the formation of the universe. Hopefully there's no crosses around here where people can crucify me after. So, um, okay, so now this might be a little bit of a cognitive shift for some people. It's going to be a bit of a science lesson. It's going to be a certain amount of scripture in there. And like I say, um, a little bit of my testimony also. Now, for me, and as those who have read the Bible know, the heart of the Bible is Jesus. And like um, Carl was saying earlier, it starts with Genesis, the ends of Revelation. The whole thing points, about, points to Christ. And the Old Testament points to his coming. New Testament points to what he did in the Gospels. And in the epistles, it points to all the work that has been achieved for, for Christians and the eternal hope that we have. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2.2, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I think that is the key thing that Christians should be focusing on. Um, Christ and his redemptive work on the cross is a central message. Thanks. Okay, now here's the um, passage. Genesis 1 uh Verse 1 to 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good. 
and separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and morning one day. Awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah, well done. Okay, so that's the passage that Carl asked me to speak about. And I'll, basically, I'm not really delving so much into those verses, but I'm delving into the, into the realm of what those verses reveal. So um, it carries on, thanks, in that um, the rest of Genesis reveals a progressive development of the creation of the universe. So day one, heavens and earth, light and darkness. Day two, oceans and the atmosphere are created. Day three, land and vegetation comes. Day four, lights in the sky, sun and moon, which is a slightly hard one to reconcile in the light of day one. Um, and five, fish and birds. And day six is animals and humans. So there is a progression that actually happens through Genesis. It's not like God just went click um, and then it was just everything happened at once. There was a progression through stages to where we are now with the world. Okay, thanks. Okay, so for astronomers, we believe in the Big Bang. Now, the Big Bang was an event. This, this is from National Geographic. My pointer, <laughs> a bit short, but see the yellow glow up there? That's the start of the Big Bang. And what um, scientists believe is that 13.7 billion years ago, the, oh, there was an expansion of space and time. It wasn't like someone got a huge big cosmic hand grenade and pulled the pin and threw it and there was a big explosion. It was completely different in that it was an expansion of time and space. This is what astronomers believe, an expansion of time and space. What was before? They say nothing. What was surrounding it? They say nothing. It was an expansion of time and space. Thanks. So for me... I read the scripture one day in Hebrews 11.2 and it says, By faith we believe that what is seen was made from what is not seen. And I thought, hey, you could actually see the Big Bang in there. What is seen around us in the universe, the planets, the um, galaxies, the stars and everything, was made from that which is not seen. And prior to the Big Bang, no, there was nothing. After the Big Bang, there was something and in Hebrews, he says, we believe that what we can see was made from that which is not seen. So for me, I have no problem whatsoever in believing in the Big Bang, that there was an instantaneous expansion of time and space, and there was a progressive um, development of the universe from then, and that we are part of the development. After the Big Bang, the first um, this is the, where the science lesson comes. After the Big Bang, there were the first elements. Um, basically, astronomers believe that um, there were um, quarks, leptons, and so on, which made the first atoms. And then the first atom, as some of you all know on the periodic table, is helium. Uh, sorry, hydrogen, number one, top left. Oh, we can go back. Yep, top left, hydrogen, H. That's the simplest atom there is, the easiest atom to make. It just needs one proton and one electron. Slap those two together, you've got the easiest atom. In fact, about three, well, roughly about 70% of the universe is made up of hydrogen gas, of the hydrogen atom. The next atom that was made is helium. So helium is, has two protons, two neutrons, two electrons. 
the next simplest thing to be made. And then down through the periodic table, as you go, three for lithium means there's three protons, three electrons, four beryllium, four protons, four electrons, and so on, down through the periodic table. Now, um, yep. Over time, you had that Big Bang explosion, the expansion of the universe, and in those first minutes, we had the first atoms made, hydrogen, helium, lithium. The universe is full of like three quarters hydrogen, roughly one quarter helium, and then a bit of lithium and beryllium. And in the roughly around about 300 um, thousand years later, a lot of that hydrogen gas began to coalesce and make stars. What's a star? A star basically is just a big gas ball, a big gas bag of hydrogen and helium. And what's happening in the core is it's actually converting, smashing hydrogen atoms together to make helium atoms. And here's, can anyone see the Southern Cross up there? That's where I need the pointer. Um, but there's a cross on sort of like that angle there. Can you see the two bright stars and then two down there? That's, that's the Southern Cross. So about 300,000 years after the Big Bang, stars were formed. Okay? And then galaxies were formed not long after that. For those who don't know, a galaxy is, is a, it's like a city of stars in space. We belong to the Milky Way galaxy, and we've got like 200 billion stars in it, countless planets and so on. These are other galaxies which are own their own stellar cities in their own right. Those stars in the foreground are belonging to our, to our, um, to our galaxy. Kind of like looking through curtains out the backyard or at the front yard and seeing houses in the distance, which are the galaxies, and the curtaining is the stars in front. So they're part of our own galaxy. Thanks. So living and dying stars actually made the heavier elements. Yep. So what happens is a star will explode, and if you show the next one, this star here exploded, and in that explosion it actually made um, everything heavier than iron on the periodic table. So how many of you have got a gold ring on your finger? Yeah, that gold on your finger was made in an exploding star about probably about six billion years ago. That's the only place it can be made. So what happened is, yep, astronomers believe that our um, solar system formed from a giant hydrogen and helium um, cloud about 4.6 billion years ago. And see the little dark things up there in that nebula? Those are called Bok globules. And what happens is, yep, what happens is in the process of time, clouds will get shocked by supernova explosions ripping through um, the stellar medium. And it will cause a cl a, that cloud, the Bok globule, to start spinning, rotating. And as it spins and rotates, it, it undergoes conservation of angular momentum, spins out, forms a disk, and then in the centre, that's where the big bright part is. That becomes the sun. And then the residue of material around it slowly forms the planets. Thanks. And we can actually see this now when we look at the planets. In fact, some of you might have seen in the northwest at the moment, there's a bright star um, setting. That's Venus. Right up here at the moment is, is Jupiter. And over here you see a brightish, bright red one rising. That's Mars. They all follow the same line in the sky. And here's a photo um, from uh, Paratahi. But 
you've got Mercury, Venus, Saturn, Mars, and Jupiter. If you, it's hard for you to read down the back, but there's a line, and that line of the planets shows the history of the formation of the solar system, that it was formed in a big disk. And the planets are still, have that muscle memory, and they're still orbiting in that plane around the sun. Thanks. So we actually see other solar systems forming too. Like here's a photo I took of Measure 42. The Hubble Space Telescope investigated this nebula. Yep. And they found that out of like 150 stars in that nebula, over half of them were young solar systems forming out of this, um, out of the gas that was collapsing. And it's a progression. Just like Genesis talks about how one thing led to another, led to another, led to another. Well, I believe that God used the Big Bang to make the hydrogen helium that made the clouds, which collapse, which makes the star or the sun in that solar system. And out of that solar system, you have the planets forming. We see it all around us. We can't deny it. I mean, if you think, anyhow, we can't deny it. Okay, thanks. Okay, so astronomers also believe that there's a progression in the heavens, just like Genesis, Genesis talks about a progression. You know, you've got, you've got like um, um, formless and void, then you've got earth, and, um, light, day, night, uh, and, and so on, and then um, you've got vegetation, then you've got animals and so on. Well, astronomers believe that a planet, like all these planets we're seeing, and by the way, in case you're wondering if, how many planets there are out there, we know of literally, oh, gee, it's hard to keep up with the numbers, but probably at least about 6,000 planets going around the other stars now. In fact, statistically, I read that for every star we investigate, we find 1.6 planets. So if you think that we are the only planet with life on it in the universe, I think one day you'll be horribly shocked when NASA announces we've discovered life on another planet. Statistically, it's pretty much impossible that we are the only life in this universe. Okay? So in the progress of t process of time, the atmosphere, like our atmosphere, was once very rich in carbon dioxide. And then over time, um, there was a release of subterranean water. And the scriptures actually talk about that, how there was water coming up from the earth, and that science, scientists believe that too, that in the formation of our molten um, earth, as it cooled, water was a, basically came from subterranean, and also we had asteroids and comets bombarding us in what is called the late heavy bombardment period, which is about four billion years ago, and that was bombarding us with water. The four main elements in the universe, hydrogen number one, roughly 70%, Helium, number two, roughly what, 23, 24%. But then you've got oxygen, carbon. Combine hydrogen and oxygen together, what do you get? H2O, water. And so water was, is a, was probably, potentially can be found pretty much anywhere. So we had water arriving, then living creatures were in the waters, then they believe that with the development of, of vegetation, like stromatolites in Shark Bay in Australia, these are, are fossil records that are about six or four billion years old, 
which show that there was once blue-green algae giving off, um, well, converting, using photosynthesis to convert carbon dioxide to oxygen. And in the process of time, our atmosphere, which was really um, a very much carbon dioxide-rich atmosphere over many millions of years, turned into an oxygen-rich atmosphere, which was then conducive to land animals. Yeah, Josh. And from there, we had humans, of course. And look at any science book, and you'll see that just like Genesis 1, there's a progression through the book, uh, through their, um, th from the start, and it progresses through to different life forms as life is ready for that particular life form to be living on the earth at that time. There is a progression just like Genesis. Okay. Um, so yeah, so I believe God created the universe over the Big Bang. Sorry, I'm going over about by about two minutes or so. Okay, um, and I believe billions of years ago God used the Big Bang to produce the universe. I believe that humanity is a process of a slow pro um, process. And to me, to me, it's just damn well not a concern about how God made the universe, how God made you and me. I've heard people say to me, John, you can't believe in evolution or anything like that because you're a Christian. And when I was a young Christian, I used to really, oh, but, you know, the world is 6,000 years old. You know, we can find it. And so carbon dating isn't real. Now I just go, what the hell was I talking about back then? I believe in all the things that um, scientists say, John, you sh as a Christian, you shouldn't say believe in. I've got no problem. The thing is, is that we were made. Who cares if God used the Big Bang? Who cares if God used evolution? Who cares if he chose any, one, any number of processes to get us to where we are today? But he did it. To me, evolution, creation, Genesis 1, that's not a big issue. Um, when, I believe when we stand before him on that day, he's going to ask us one thing. And he will ask us, what did you do with Christ and what, how did you love your neighbour? In the Gospels, Jesus answers someone's question, and Jesus said, you should love the Lord your God of all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two key things. On this hang all the law and commandments. So the creationism versus evolution debate is perhaps one of Satan's greatest deceptions. They say the devil had a great idea. He came up with, he, deceived, he basically trick people into not believing in himself. Has anyone heard that? Great. Yeah. Um, well, I, personally, I believe that Satan's other great deception is that he sidetracks Christians into arguing, oh, yes, the world is 6,000 years old. Oh, yes, God did it this way. Oh, yes, no, evolution is wrong. If you're arguing all that, as some people do, you're not telling people about Jesus Christ and the cross and what he did for us on the cross. In Bali recently, um, I was there a couple of weeks ago, and I was talking to a couple of people, and they said, we're under the stars, as you know, I, I like doing, I like pointing at the stars. And they said, but John, aren't you a Christian? And I said, yes, I am. And they said, but how, how do you reconcile um, evolution, Big Bang, and all that with your beliefs? And I said, I believe that God used the Big Bang, I believe God used evolution, I used, believe God used all the scientific things we're finding to make get humanity to where we are now, 
But the thing is, to me, that's not an issue. The big thing is Christ dying on the cross and what he did for us on, uh, for humanity. What do you think about Jesus, you two? That's the thing that we should be getting back to. Stuff the creationism stuff versus evolution. The devil's got us on that one. Forget all that. If people come to you and say, what do you believe about evolution and blah, 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 whatever, now I'm not saying you have to believe in evolution, but you come to your own conclusions based on Genesis 1, and if you want to embrace science, go for it. But the thing is, is that don't get sidetracked on that. Focus on Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. That's, that's the key. Thanks. So I used to actually be embarrassed with the literal account of Genesis. It seemed a rather flimsy argument. Uh, but now I'm, you know, basically saying, yeah, I believe in, you know, just like you. God, um, you believe Big Bang Evolution and all that. I believe God used those. Back in 1952, there was these two people, uh, Miller and Ulray. They did an experiment. They got all the primeval, primordial um, material that they believed was on the earth back in the, you know, billions of years ago when life first formed. And they put it in into the, um, uh, a container, added electrical current and all that, and they were amazed that, they, that um, out of that formed organic, um, organic compounds and so on, which are the precursors to life. But life didn't start. I think God is also the one that starts the life at the start of the universe. You know. So again, that's another reason why we believe God. Yeah, I believe in all that, but I believe God, and I believe life, and I believe Jesus. Um, you know, people talk to me about science books versus the Bible and all that, and I often reply, the Bible isn't a science book. We've got one chapter and a splattering of a few other scriptures through the Bible that talks about the creation of the universe and the world. That accounts to less than 0.1% of the Bible is dealing with creation. I think it sort of indicates something that God's not too fussed about the creation story and about you trying to convince people evolution and science is wrong. The bulk of the Bible is about Christ's redemptive work on the cross. That's what we should be talking to people about. Thanks. Um, each shouldn't knock the other. I'm a scientist of sorts. I'm a Christian. And now I've got that peace in my heart, which when I was a young Christian, I used to really conflict with. But now, it's no big deal. The key thing is Christ. And so my final question to you is, um, what are you doing with Christ's message? We know about Genesis 1. We know that God created heavens and earth. Whatever process he chose to use, that's up to him. I'm not going to argue with him. On the day, he will ask us, what did you do with Jesus and his redemptive work? Did you love your neighbor as yourself? Did you love God? And then, you know, we're there for eternity. We can argue this point for eternity. <laughs> so, so that's where, that's it. Um, oh, next slide shows me surfing. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so that's it. That's, that's my, in a nutshell, what I believe as far as the whole creation and Genesis 1 and so on. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, John. Really appreciate that. And um, 
When I was 18, uh, there's about maybe this amount of people in a room, and someone gave the opportunity to decide to follow God or not. And for a couple of years, I'd been unsure about that. But um, there's three of us that said, yes, let's stand up, eh? And um, I think this has been the main thrust of John's message is the main thing is what we do with Jesus, what we do with Jesus. And I just want to give us that opportunity again. If you want to give yourself to God again, and if you've never done it, to take this opportunity today. So, Lord, um, yeah, come Holy Spirit, speak to us. And there might be some, some of us here today that have never said yes to Christ, never said yes to Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. If that's you, I want you to um, come forward today and, and say, yep, I, I decide for Jesus today. Or if you've been vague about it, you've been a bit flip-floppy and you want to recommit yourself to God, um, do that today. Make the most of the opportunity. Let's not get sidetracked by other things and, and just be focused on God and that Jesus was there at the beginning helping to create. And our big question is what we're going to do about Jesus. What are we going to do about Jesus? So we thank you, Lord. We praise you. We give you all thanks and praise. And help us, Lord, to carry on in you this week. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.